Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. We're going to be a part of the conversation. You can join us today on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. That's the number for you to be a part of the conversation. Again, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. You can learn more online at cspire.com slash business. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. For more information, visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Guys, I'm watching this radar on a loop right now. And when I tell you that Oxford is on the edge, I mean Oxford is on the edge. It is 32 degrees and it's raining. And we're like half a degree of Fahrenheit away from this turning into a big mess. To the north and the west of Oxford, they've been dealing with sleet and ice and some snow mixed in. So if you are in northwest Mississippi, certainly um, we'll try to keep you up to date if there are any road condition updates or, or anything that you need to know. But uh, be careful. Take your time. Roads are slick. I uh, have heard from some people over in the Delta kind of the northern part of the Delta, Clarksdale, and areas around there. Um, they got some freezing rain and some sleet yesterday. Just a small amount of accumulation, but enough to uh, really coat the, the limbs of the trees. And this new stuff, everything's sticking. Kind of the worst-case scenario with an ice storm. Uh, well, I mean, I guess ice storm is worst-case scenario, period. But particularly when you talk about freezing rain, as opposed to sleet, where it's almost like icy snow coming down, that freezing rain coats everything, like pine needles and tree limbs, and then they get real heavy and they start snapping, and that's when power goes out and the whole deal. So hopefully we will uh, avoid a lot of that. But if you are out and about in northwest Mississippi, please be careful on the roads this afternoon. Boys, what's up? Just uh, getting my bread milk sandwiches ready. Which are gross, right? I have tried them. So posted a video online a couple years ago. Milk and bread. No, I poured milk on the bread. And Did you eat it with a spoon? No, I just picked it up and I'll see if I can find the video. I don't remember what I captioned it though. I had a great uncle in uh, Coffeeville. 
Hey, Dad. Uh, my mom was from Coffeyville, and there was a great uncle. And I guess this was maybe from, from his upbringing, and I don't know if it was because of economic conditions or just what they believed was good at the time. He went on to be incredibly successful in, in his life as a farmer and landowner and whatever else. But their afternoon snack was buttermilk and Wonder Bread, like in a coffee cup. Seriously. And and maybe, maybe you have a grandparent or a great grandparent in, in Mississippi or somewhere else that uh that did something similar. It was buttermilk and white bread. Yeah. I don't think I ever even tried it. But No, I don't I don't ever recall seeing that in, in any hate ad house as I grew up. Somebody says my grandfather ate cornbread in a glass of sweet milk. Now I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, good to be with you this afternoon. We've got a busy show coming up today. We are going to visit with Zach Arnett. That conversation will start about 10 minutes from right now. And I hope we can do a couple of things. I know Hey Dad's going to have some football questions for him. And maybe it was cornbread. Maybe it was not, maybe it wasn't Wonder Bread. Maybe it was cornbread and buttermilk. That would make more sense. That would make more sense, yes. Yeah. But I mean, I guess that means I just kept cornbread around all the time. Maybe so. Anyway. Possibly. Um, so Zach Arnett will uh, visit with us. I, I was just going to say, I know Hey Dad's going to have some football questions and some stuff about the spring and all of those things, and, and we'll get to that. I'm curious about Zach Arnett to this point. He's 36 years old. He's a head coach in an SEC football program. He played college football at the University of New Mexico. When did he decide he wanted to be a football coach? How did Zach Arnett go from... 21 years old, a couple of years out of football, to 36 years old head coach in the Southeastern Conference. We'll try to peel back some of the layers and get to know Zach Arnett a little bit. Looking forward to that conversation. And, of course, tomorrow is National Signing Day, kind of, 2.0. I think we'll have a little action here in Mississippi, but not a ton. What are we going to see tomorrow, guys? Handful of players. I think think State's going to sign two, maybe three guys. That's 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 that would be the, the 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 high end. Okay. Any particular positions? Uh, if if the way that things are leaning, to my knowledge, are correct, defensive tackle, cornerback, and then if there's anybody out there that that I've missed at this point, I don't know. Now there was a great debate among the two of you this morning about a uh, particular defensive lineman in here here in Mississippi, right? Is, is that mm-hmm. the thing that we're watching tomorrow? Yeah, he's going to pick that between the thing one that of the we're two. watching tomorrow. Yep. Can, can I can I relay our conversation from this morning? Does that put either of you in a uh, difficult? Has anything changed throughout the day? No, I, not on my end. Okay. So there is a a defensive lineman from where? Who, who are we talking? We got name, hometown, all this good stuff. Jonathan Davis from Lawrence County High School. There we go. This is who we're talking about. Defensive tackle Jonathan Davis, Lawrence County High School. Michael Borky brings this up on our call this morning and says, you know, everything I'm hearing, it looks like uh, Ole Miss is going to end up. And Hey Dad goes, just to kind of start shaking his head like this little sly grin. He's like, everything I'm hearing, he's going to end up in Starkville tomorrow. So we have a source off between source Michael off. Borky and Brian Haydad about a defensive tackle here in the state of Mississippi and where he's going to sign tomorrow. Yeah. We Would shall either of you see. care to I mean, go I, any deeper? I, I mean, I, I don't 
care enough about a, a high school prospect to, to to get into like an argument over it. It just the, there are people that are really confident about where he's going to end up. Okay. See, I, I wish you that I wish Rich, Richard had said that and not you, because Richard is more of the Ole Miss guy. And I could have been like, typical Ole Miss. If he's not a transfer, he's not worth talking about, I guess. Oh, certainly but, worth yeah. talking about. Late bloomer. Yeah, I like, mean, this is exploded. I'm like, really physically. weird, right? Yeah. Like, this is a guy who was unranked as a prospect uh, three weeks ago. Now he's the number five prospect in the state, according to 24 7. Uh, he's just just narrowly off being a four star defensive tackle, big kid, raw prospect. Need you know probably needs a red shirt year, but talented, talented, big. Kid. You can't teach that kind of size and strength for sure. Have we ever seen one of those raw defensive linemen in Mississippi that not a whole lot of people know about turn out to be pretty good when it's all said and done? I, I can't think of one off the yeah. top of my head, but there's got to be. He one went to somewhere. Mississippi State. Hmm. I mean, we're not talking about Jeff Simmons or, you know, the guy that... We're talking about Chris Jones. Chris Jones was a five-star, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but he was late on the radar. He was a five-star. He was a five-star. He was a five-star because you, you, could see, you could see the future with him. Yeah, but as far as a high school player, he was very, very raw coming out of high school. Raw He's enough a to be a five-star. Super athlete. On, only about yeah. 30 of those in the country on a... Well, that one they got right. That's right. There's no question they got uh, they got that one right. Uh, I did read an article line. speaking of five okay. stars in the awarding of that. Um, linemen is where they really screw up yeah. in recruiting rankings. So when it comes to the percentages of five stars that were in the final four teams in the NFL, they get linebackers right, they get defensive backs right, they get wide receivers right. Offensive and defensive linemen is where the recruiting services, and of course because that's a more physical development than, but it was interesting that if you've got a five-star wide receiver, he is far more likely to to be an elite wide receiver than that of a Mm five-star offensive lineman. Now those, by percentage, more five-star offensive linemen make it than four-star offensive linemen and so on and so on and so on. But the average star ranking per NFL player left is far higher at wide receiver, defensive back, linebacker, running back than in the trenches, where the average star ranking per player that's left is much lower. It's funny you say that, Borky, because you know, similar to the conversation just a moment ago, I can't think of an example of a uh, of a five star defensive lineman who might have been the number one player in the country not panning out in the NFL. I, I just I can't come up with any of those examples. I'm sure they're out there, but it certainly happens. not any that <laughs> certainly not any that we've seen in in recent memory. <laughs> Still on the roster. I mean, remember when that was a debate? That was fun times. Not debate anymore. Yeah. Well, the college piece of it was pretty good. I mean, he was good in college. Yeah. Say say what you want to about Robert Kimdichie. He he changed the way that teams played Ole Miss. Um, and and was now, was it as good as it could have been? Was he as dominant as he could have been? Maybe not. And obviously, the NFL thing has been, um, ooh, not not great, especially in comparison to some of the other guys that we're talking about. Got hoops tonight. Mississippi State is at South Carolina. That game tips off at five thirty Central in Columbia. Ole Miss and Kentucky tonight at eight o'clock at the Pavilion in Oxford. Coming up next. 
On the Farm Bureau guest line, we'll be joined by Mississippi State head coach Zach Arnett. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV, and of course on your supertalk Mississippi radio stations across the entire Magnolia State. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, especially if you are in northwest Mississippi, please be careful on the roads with this kind of winter storm deal that's uh, blowing through. Just uh, take a little extra time and be careful and watch out for your fellow drivers. Time for us to uh, go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We are joined by Zach Arnett. He is the head football coach now at Mississippi State and is kind enough to spend some time with us this afternoon. Coach Arnett, we appreciate uh, you making a few minutes for us. How are you today? Doing well, doing well. Appreciate you all having me on. I'd love to do this kind of in a couple of parts if we can, because I know Hey Dad wants to talk football and your vision for Mississippi State, and we'll get into that. But I'm so curious uh, kind of about you, the person, and how you have gotten to this point. T- take me back, if you don't mind, to, to high school, making the transition from high school to the University of New Mexico. First it looks like it's going to be baseball. Then it turns into a football scholarship and, and that part of your journey. Yeah, you're pretty – pretty short and sweet i was a uh i'm a limited athlete i'm you know about five nine not the fastest guy in the world it didn't make really much sense for the football program to recruit me as a scholarship athlete i was a halfway decent baseball player and so i was you know received a little a little money uh to go be a baseball player as a catcher uh prior to my freshman year football had one of their signees back out of coming and it opened up a scholarship late and in a very generous move for some goodwill and PR, uh, they offered it to the local local kid uh, who was a try-hard guy, and I was the beneficiary of that. And so I got put on football scholarship and was able to uh, learn enough and hang around on the roster for the four years there. Did you ever consider both trying to play baseball and football at the, uh, yeah, at the I did, time? Did my, I did my freshman year, yes, I did. And then needed to, to needed to commit to one. Say that again? Yeah, I was just saying, how hard is it to do that? We occasionally still see a guy who tries to do both, to play baseball and football. How hard is it for, for a guy to be able to do that? I think it's hard to develop and excel at one when you're split like that over the you know throughout the year. Uh, I can tell you in my case, it's not that hard to – Stand on the sideline and sit on the bench. You know that's about most of what I did that that year. So, uh, but obviously football football is my first love, and so I wanted to try to uh, become as good of a player as the potential I had, and you know, got a role on the field. And so I I committed full time to it. And then obviously football, you know, scholarships are uh, full rides, and baseball they're partials. And so financially, it was a smarter move to stick with the football scholarship too. 
So you finish up your football career, and then if Wikipedia is telling me the truth, you're out of the game for a couple of years before you take the opportunity to be a GA at San Diego State. What did you do in those two years between the time that you finished playing and you kind of started your coaching journey? Yeah, you're kind of typical, you know, out of college, no plan, a bunch of odd jobs. I think the last one before I was able to beg on for a position at San Diego State, I was working in a uh, – a hardware warehouse for state bolt and nut there in Albuquerque. So I was pulling, pulling orders or unloading pallets, stocking shelves, and I was a warehouse guy. And and that didn't feel like the career path that you necessarily wanted to chase for the the next forty years. So you you make the transition to football. You, you said you had to beg on to that staff, but you know from from begging on in twenty eleven to being named defensive coordinator in 2018. Obviously, a lot of growth has to come. Walk me through that particular period of your coaching journey and, and how it kind of catapulted you to where you are now. Yeah, I was I was really fortunate. I get offset. You know, Rocky Long, my college head coach when I was playing, uh, at the time he was a defense coordinator at San Diego State when I kind of reached out to him looking for an opportunity. And that offseason, uh, Brady Hope, who was the head coach of San Diego State, got the head job at Michigan, and Rocky Long was promoted to head coach. And so that was just, you know, I've been really fortunate. As I talked through the timeline, it's like I've hit the coaching jackpot. Uh, so, you know, Coach Long was the head coach. That, that opened up an opportunity for me. I got brought on as a GA after a couple of years as a GA. Uh, even though he could have thrown a rock from campus and found a more qualified candidate, he kept me on, put me on full-time as a linebacker coach. And then I think... I was there probably six years as that, or you know five six years, and then uh, we lost a couple assistants to a Pac-12 job. Uh, a couple of the secondary coaches, one went and got the defense coordinator job at Arizona State and took a guy with him, and so I was kind of became the the senior veteran guy on the defensive side, and with that came the defensive coordinator title. Uh, so I was lucky enough to be there for for nine years and looking back on it over that time, I think I bet you we probably had in the teens, you know, double digit former head coaches on that staff over those years. And anytime you're a young coach and you have the opportunity to just shut up, listen from guys who have, who have been to the highest level uh, and warn the head coach that there's a lot of wisdom you can learn from them. And so I was really fortunate in that regard that, Coach Long liked hiring a lot of former head coaches and guys who had, uh, you know, really been successful throughout the business, and that's great for a young coach to get to learn from those guys. Last thing kind of about your past. I'm curious when, if it was when you were a kid, when you were in high school, when you were playing in college ball, that you decided, I want to be a coach. And then I don't know that every coach, and forgive a two-part question, when they're in one of those growth roles, whether it's a GA or a position coach, it is necessarily soaking things up like a sponge, kind of in preparation for maybe an opportunity to be a head coach one day. So so when did you decide this is what you wanted to do, and were you consciously soaking in as much as you could along the way? Yeah, I don't know if I have a conscious, ever made a conscious decision that I wanted to be a, a head coach or a coach of any kind. I mean, uh, you know, I was really blessed growing up in sports, First of all, my my father and my uncle were, you know, like coaches to me and at every one of my sporting events and uh, always there to give me advice. But I had great coaches growing up. 
Um, you know, and I was always fortunate enough to kind of be on successful winning teams. And so it always leaves a good taste in your mouth. Uh, but again, I, shoot, I think it was probably some of those long days in the warehouse, you know, getting yelled at for messing up another order or not knowing <laughs> the difference between a hex head and a, you know, what galvanized is and what isn't and stainless steel, all that stuff. And so <laughs> I was probably more just looking for a, a different opportunity. And then fortunately enough, I was able to stick in coaching, but I've always wanted to be a part of teams. You know, when you've grown up playing sports and then you get away from it, uh, you, you, a lot of guys, you long for that, you know, camaraderie and working towards something bigger than, than just yourself. And uh, obviously that's the great part about coaching and you get to put yourself into other people and watch them develop and uh, reach and go beyond their potential. And then your second part of your question, I'm not sure I ever really thought again consciously, hey, this is a great chance for me to sit here and just soak in all this knowledge and wisdom from guys who are older than me and guys who have been former head coaches. I think it's just after you kind of realize, after it sets in, man, maybe I don't have it all figured out. You know, when you're a young guy, you think you know, you think your opinions all matter, and then quickly you realize, oh, shoot, I don't have the slightest clue what I'm actually talking about. And, ho- and hopefully you realize mm-hmm. sooner or later you just kind of be quiet and start to listen and learn. And now you've got a program that is all your own. We've got a minute and a half or so until the break, and then we'll kind of switch and, and talk about this Mississippi State team and, and spring practice coming up. But has there been a moment? I mean, the, 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 the timeline has been so fast, and there's been so much for you to do over the last couple of months. Has there been a moment for you to sit back and, and take a breath and, and kind of take a survey of uh, the fact that, that you're now the boss, now, now you're in charge of an SEC football program? Well, I tell you what, I got a lot more administrative paperwork and HR stuff to do than when I was just worrying about calling third down defenses as the D coordinator. And so that's kind of been a, oh, welcome to the new job moment. But, uh, no, I think, I mean, every day, every day you, you see the roster, you see the guys out there working, you know, the, the new staff we've assembled here, uh, you know, the, the responsibility hits you that, yeah, you're you're kind of in charge of everything, and uh, that's the role of a leader. If if we have hiccups in the operation or or things don't go well, ultimately that's a reflection of of, of leadership. And so, uh, you know, we preach accountability and and leadership and responsibility to the players. Well, the same thing applies to us as coaches, and uh, me more than anyone. We're visiting with Zach Arnett. He's the head football coach at uh, Mississippi State. Uh, has a one and zero record. So uh, I think on our graphic on the screen it says winningest coach in the SEC by winning percentage right now. I, I don't know if you are able to keep that forever, uh, but it certainly is a a great spot to start. We're going to continue our conversation with Zach Arnett coming up in just a couple of minutes on Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, what is the, uh, what does it look like for spring practice? What's the identity of this football team? That's where we'll start when we come back. With you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studios. More on the Farm Bureau guest line after this with Zach Arnett, head football coach at Mississippi State. Super Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi.
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, continuing our conversation with Zach Arnett on the Farm Bureau guest line. Coach, appreciate you hanging with us through the break. I know that's a long commercial break. If I, I had the ability to pat you on the back for that, I, I would, but I'll just say thank you uh, instead. Uh, let's talk about where you are now and, and what's on the horizon. So so you have the early signing period. You've got National Signing Day, which is crazy that it's kind of an afterthought at this point compared compared to what the first Wednesday in February used to be. Uh, where are things right now for you in, in terms of organization and leadership and building a roster and building culture and everything that happens during the offseason? Oh, things are going well. Obviously, we got our, uh, you know, all of our full time coaches, on field staff assembled. Uh, you know, there might be a few off the field hires still to get announced, but uh, in terms of the, the men who are going to be leading, leading meetings in the meeting room and coaching up the players on the field, uh, the staff is in place. Obviously, we have a tremendous amount of uh, not only experience recruiting in Mississippi in the footprint, but SEC experience. I think when you tabulate all the years of SEC experience on our staff, we have actually over a century of SEC experience, which is going to be incredibly beneficial to me. Uh, I'm very excited about the recruiting prowess of our staff. And then, obviously, uh, you know, we're back off the road recruiting. And so we were out there. Watched watched the 6 a.m. workouts this morning and and weight room, and obviously we're you know pretty much everyone is staying obviously in the position they're in, but there may be a few slight moves uh, to try and give guys a better opportunity to get on the field, and obviously we're changing scheme a little bit on offense. Uh, Coach Barbe, I think he does a phenomenal job when I ask him, hey, what's your offensive philosophy? What's your identity? What do you want to do? And he goes, well, show me who our most explosive players are. Show me who our best players are. So obviously on the offensive side of the ball, we're going to be identifying who our top 11 guys are, who are the guys who give us the best chance to score points, and then we'll be molding our scheme around them. Coach, you know, when you were under Coach Leach, he sort of gave you that freedom of, hey, that's your defense, and I'm going to let let you be, and you make the decisions you want to make. Are you giving Coach Barbe that same kind of freedom? Is that his offense, and, and you're kind of going to stay hands off? Yeah, seeing how I have zero years of experience coaching on the offensive side of the ball, I don't think I'm qualified to tell them what they should do. Hey, I, I, I buy that. I buy that. When you when you were putting the staff together, even before you had Coach Barbe on as your offensive coordinator, you made a couple of position hires in Chad Bumpus and Will Friend. Mississippi natives, obviously Bumpus played here at Mississippi State. Was that something you wanted on staff with some Mississippi guys who you could, could, could fall back on in terms of recruiting? How crucial were they to what you wanted to do from a recruiting perspective? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I, I've made no, you know, there's been no mystery to what I've I've wanted to accomplish here in terms of the recruiting prowess of the staff, particularly the ties to in the state of Mississippi and then the footprint, which for us is, you know, about a 250, 300-mile radius around campus. And, I mean, this last year of the top 25 players in, in the state of Mississippi, we signed 12 of them, which is more than any other any other school. Right? And, and I think I would like to see us sign even more. All right? Obviously getting Coach Bumpus back, Tupelo native, Right, great player here, has proven to be a phenomenal recruiter and coach. You know, was at Utah the last couple of years. I worked with that offensive coordinator actually, and so uh, reached out to him for his advice, his thoughts, and recommendation on Coach Bumpus. Got nothing but glowing reviews. You know, they went to back-to-back Rose Bowls, uh, so extremely excited to get him back. 
to the Bulldog family. Uh, he's a great player here. I think he's going to be a great, great coach here and great mentor of our wide receiver room. And obviously, Coach Friend, you know, born in West Point, played at Neshoba Central. Right? His, his dad actually still coaches down at Meridian High School. Uh, he probably knows the state as well as anyone. And his development and leadership of the offensive line group is second to none in college football. I have, I've had to face his units several times. Typically those are games where uh, <laughs> they've been the, some of the highest rushing totals we've given up. Uh, I, I could not say more about the job he does as a developer of the offensive line position. He was actually the play caller against us this last year at Auburn uh, and gave me fits trying to call defenses against him. So incredibly, incredibly excited to have those two guys back on staff. Zach, I'm, I'm curious about process on this as well. I, I was thinking about what you said about Rocky Long and, and all the head coaches that he brought in through the time that you were on his staff. He had four decades of coaching experience and, and kind of relationships built when he got that head coaching job at San Diego State and, and you were on staff. You've got a much shorter runway of, of time in college football, so how do you build those relationships so that you can kind of figure out who you want to hire and how you want to go through that interview process and, and, and obviously, with the turnover that you have in college football, that a lot of times happens on a year-to-year basis. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you got you lean on people like Tony Hughes, you know, who's been coaching for a long time in this state, a long time in the SEC. You know, obviously, you say the same thing about David Turner. Uh, you know, one of my first was bringing Brad Peterson uh, back on staff and kind of a chief of staff role. I know it's not officially his title, but uh, you know, very much in a role like that. Long-time, very successful head coach in the state of Mississippi. Uh, got to know him. You know, he. I think he joined when it was under Coach Mullen's staff. Was retained and was here under Coach Moorhead. Was here for about a year and a half under Coach Leach. And then he hit the, his years required for retirement in Mississippi. And so he had, he had retired and gone into the private sector. And fortunately, I was able to beg him back. And, and he was willing to do it. Uh, he's been – he's about as connected – state of mississippi as anyone and been incredibly valuable what he's provided to me over this last month but you know you again look at the rest of the staff will friend i mentioned about david turner his experience his resume right uh greg knox we brought an off the field we were able to get him back in an off the field role right he was he was a sec coach for 27 consecutive years between wide receivers and running backs and so uh you know i definitely would like to think i'm a low ego guy and to get Men on the staff with their resumes, the experience in the SEC, obviously that is something I'm going to lean on heavily. Coach, you, you know, if you keep up with you guys on social media, you and your assistants, you guys have been on basically a barnstorming tour the past few weeks around Mississippi high schools, meeting with coaches and players. When you meet with the high school coaches around the state, what's your message to them as far as, as what you want to see from players going to Mississippi State? Well, I got pretty. I mean, I'm I'm a defensive guy, so I'm pretty simple. You know, I just look for facts and figures and data to support my ideas. But right now, we got 28, 28 bulldogs in the NFL, and 19 of those guys played either high school football or junior college football in the state of Mississippi. So that would that would seem to me like our best football players in this program come from the state of Mississippi. They either played high school football here, or they came here and played in the junior college program. So it seems to me like we ought to be. Uh, spending the majority of our time recruiting the state of Mississippi harder than anyone, and it'll pay off 
great dividends for us. Zach, last thing for you as we uh, we wrap up. Uh, people throw culture around almost so frequently that it's like a, a buzzword, and, and I wonder if it has the same meaning that, that it needs to. But when you think about the culture of, of your program, team, coaches, support staff, everybody that's involved with, what are you trying to build, and, and how do you build that? Yeah, well, I'm going to just echo what you said. I think I think it's talked about so much and thrown around as a buzzword. It's it's kind of just become that a slogan on a wall. Right? I I don't think we need a drastic culture change here. I, I think we need to carry on the tradition and the culture of what Mississippi State football has always been about. This is a damn this is a big time program. Right? It's, it plays tough, physical, aggressive football. Always has and always will. And it's my job to to make sure we continue to do that. And uh, myself, the rest of the staff, and the players in the program are incredibly proud to put on the maroon and white. And we look forward to going about our work and getting ready for the 23 season. Coach, that was Richard's last question. I have one more for you. Uh, (laughs) I talked to your boss uh, on Friday. We talked to Zach Selman, and I asked him this question. I want to get your thoughts on it as well. NIL, obviously it's, it's such a huge deal. What can you as the head football coach do to promote NIL beyond just talking about NIL? Well, I think the first thing you do is, uh, you know, NIL, we are all for any anything that creates opportunities for our players, right, to better their situation and to continue to build their, their brand. Obviously, the, num- the way, number one way you do that is you keep the main thing the main thing, and that is football. Right? The biggest thing we can do to – to increase it is put out a competitive winning football team. And usually that takes care of a lot of things. And so that is the message we preach daily to our guys. We are here to support them any way we can. And NIL certainly creates a lot of opportunities for themselves. And the best way we can help them is to coach them hard, develop them so that they reach the best of best of their abilities, reach their full potential and we go out there and we're a winning football team and play football that this university and the fan base is proud of, all the other stuff will take care of itself. Zach, can't thank you enough for your time this afternoon. Uh, wish you the best on uh, on the smaller version of National Signing Day and uh, hope we can uh, have some conversations with you again in the future. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Hail State. That's Zach Arnett, head football coach at Mississippi State, spending a couple of segments with us this afternoon on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll take a quick timeout, wrap up the 3 o'clock hour when we come back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi. Conversation with Zach Arnett, head football coach at Mississippi State. If you missed any of it, you can always go and grab it on demand at supertalk.fm or listen to the Super Talk Mississippi podcast, which is available to you for free 
wherever you get your podcast. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, PearlRiverResort.com. That's where you can keep up with everything that is happening at Pearl River Resort. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Uh, great to uh, to visit with um, uh, with Zach Arnett. Dwayne and Brandon says, did he say 5'9"? Like Roadhouse, I thought he would be bigger in that defensive job. That's some big dudes to coach. <laughs> He, he coaches by the big. Way, yeah, he, he did more than just hang around at uh, at New Mexico uh, on the football team. He had uh, had a nice college career. It's not an All American career, but four six fumbles and was uh, academic All American in two thousand eight as well. Uh, I I love the. I was working in a what a machinery supply warehouse. Yeah, didn't know the difference. Nuts and bolts, hex and. Metric and standard, and it was during that time that I decided I need to go beg onto a football staff. What what a cool deal to work under Rocky Long. You, you, you go and you get an opportunity to coach on the staff that you to, – to coach with the coach you played for, and so that's an in, and you take advantage of an opportunity, whatever in you've got to get into business – but you're you're working under a guy who's got four decades of coaching experience and brings a bunch of head coaches onto his staff. It's pretty important in the formative years of a, of a young coach, and he kind of spoke to that as well. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. I mean, we make a joke about nuts and bolts, but that's what Zach Arnett is. He's a nuts and bolts kind of guy. You know, not a lot of flowery descriptions uh, from him. He, he, if ever a guy was a football guy, that's that's Zach Arnett. Borky, anything stand out from that conversation for you? Uh, he and I shared in the uh, warehouse work. Oh, yours was a tire Tires for though, me, right? yeah. Tires. Yeah, a bunch hot, of... Uh, dirty. Hot, and you always smelled like them, and, and even after you'd shower, your hands would still be black. Didn't like the gloves. The gloves gave me blisters, so I just used my bare hands uh, to move the tires because you'd get sweaty and the gloves would just move too much. And so it would take a shower plus a couple of washes to get the black off my hands every day. Do you have but, that orange goo stuff, like the gritty orange soap, no, the Gojo soap at your house? No, no I guess I should have. Yeah. But yes, now the, that's, the that's coolest thing that happened was uh, an eagle started building a nest in the warehouse. Now, we had to you know, scare it out of the warehouse, but getting to go – I said an eagle, a hawk. Getting to go on the forklift all the way up to the very top with these guys and like – we made uh, like shields because we. I mean, if the hawk comes at us for trying to scare it away, I mean, it's got talons, you know. Shout out Napoleon Dynamite, Dude, they razor have, sharp they have large talons. talons. And so, yeah, we like had little. We had our safety goggles on, and we made little shields, and we were trying to poke the eagle. <laughs> Finally, flew away. <laughs> but man, we were sitting here like we were sword fighting this eagle, trying to get it to fly Uh I would pay two hundred dollars for video of that. Oh, I think man, I wouldn't be paying, so willing funny. to pay to watch that. So that'd be a security camera. Come on, probably better that you were having to try to shoo away a hawk than an eagle, though, right? Yeah, probably. And it, it ended up flying away. It didn't look real happy. It was in the very early stages of building uh, her nest, so mm-hmm. I, you know, it, we weren't like killing babies or anything. Eggs hadn't been laid yet, but that was fun. But yeah, there were always snakes. Always snakes in there. Uh, Carl on the ceasefire text line says, R- uh, Richard, it's Coach Zach. Nah, he's not my coach, Carl. 
I, I called him Coach Zach Arnett when I introduced him. I called Coach Arnett the uh, first time I asked a question. But after that, I, I'm I'm actually six years older than he is. So I think I could get away with calling him Zach, believe it or not. Gosh, how much older am I? Jeez, Louise. Yeah, more I call than six. Coach. You can call him. I did. I did have the the fun the other night with coach, with Chad Bumpus, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not calling you, Coach. Yeah, <laughs> I've known you for too long." I was like, "And I don't expect you to call me Brian either, to be totally honest with you." So. You're you're Hey Dad. I'm Hey Dad to Chad Bumpus. Yes, sir. There you go. Um, by the way, we've got another head coach that is going to join us this afternoon. Not of the football variety. Coming up in about seven or eight minutes, Jay Ladner will be on the Farm Bureau guest line. He is the head basketball coach at Southern Miss. The Southern Miss Golden Eagles, who are in first place in the Sunbelt Conference, who have put together a remarkable season. One of the things I want to ask Jay Ladner about is patience. The patience that he had to have in rebuilding that program from where it was when he took over to where it is right now, and if there were moments of doubt along the way, and the patience that his bosses had to have to see progress to not just buy into the, oh, this is never going to work, we got to go get the next guy. We'll talk with Jay Ladner about those things. Got deep ties in the state of Mississippi and uh, giving Southern Miss fans a lot to be proud about with their basketball team. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the books with you. We'll take a quick timeout. More coming up after this in the Pearl River Resort Studios. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour with you. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Visit them online at Pearl River Resort. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Today, probably not the day, but before long, you're going to have plenty of great golf days, and you've got two great courses, 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Jay Ladner joins us, head basketball coach at the University of Southern Mississippi. He was on that 1987 Southern Miss team that so many people remember so fondly. But he is trying to put new memories in the uh, the memory banks of Southern Miss fans and well on his way to doing that. Coach Ladner, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. What a season you guys are having. Well, first of all, thank you all for having me on your show. I'm very, very uh, appreciative of that down here in South Mississippi. And I'm very excited about the season that we're having. We've got a great group of young men and uh, great staff and uh, just just really excited. I teased before the break that I wanted to start here with you. I'm curious about patience on two different levels. One, the patience that you had to have as you took on a job that you knew coming in there was a lot of work to be done. But even knowing that, having to go through a nine-win season and then an eight-win season and a seven-win season is going to test that patience. So the patience that was required of you, but also 
of your bosses to kind of stick with it and stick with the plan and kind of the reward that you're seeing this year? No question. Um, I'm, first of all, I'm very grateful uh, for the opportunity to be the head men's basketball coach at, at, at Southern Miss. And, of course, I grew up and I have the rare uh, blessing of growing up in Hattiesburg. I, I saw, uh, of course, at my age, I'm getting old now and date myself, but, um, you know, I was – uh, when when Coach Turk took over, I played for legendary Coach M.K. Turk and miss him to this day. Of course, he's no longer with us. And uh, But I saw that program, you know, Southern Miss went to Division One in 1971. Of course, uh, I saw the program grow and grow and grow, and especially when Coach Turk took over. And then and then the late 70s, early 80s, they were asked to join the Metro Conference. And I don't know how young you guys are, but the Metro Conference was one of the top basketball conferences in the country. You had Louisville, okay. Memphis. Of course, it was Memphis State back then, South Carolina, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, it was an incredible league, and uh, and of course, uh, I, I saw our program grow and grow and grow. And then I was fortunate to be on. So I wasn't a very good college player, but I was on some really good teams. <laughs> I got to watch some really good guys play, and uh, and and saw what it, what it meant to our community, what it meant to South Mississippi, and really, of course, in 1987, what it meant to the entire state when we won the NIT, and um, so. Of course, I, I, I began my. I have a non-traditional route into Division One coaching. Very, very unlike most people. I, I started out as a high school coach and coached down on the coast for many years at St. Stanislaus High School, and then had the opportunity to go to Jones Junior College. And I just never really had the uh, desire, not desire, but so many people are. Hey, I want to be a Division One coach. Want to be a Division One coach? I just love coaching basketball and working with young people. But I got an opportunity to go to Jones Junior College, which is an incredible place, and we were fortunate. My second year there, to win the national championship in junior college. Then I had a, a, another door open for me, and that's why I say I've been very blessed. The Lord's blessed me. Get, had an opportunity to go to Southeastern Louisiana and Hammond. Uh, kind of took over a rebuilding project there, and. Within a few years, we were able to get that going, and uh, which opened the door for me to come home to Southern Miss. So, you know, not only did I grow up here in Hattiesburg and play at Southern Miss, I had the opportunity to, to coach at Southern Miss. And our vision from day one has been to try to return or to return Southern Miss men's basketball to a to a position of national respect, and 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 it's been there at, certainly at different times uh, uh, over the course of uh, of the history of basketball at USM, and so. Uh, and you mentioned patience. Uh, of course, we knew it was a rebuilding situation, and I think my bosses did too. But you know, after you uh, you've been there three years, and 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 it looks like you know there's there's not a lot of hope. You know, and I I, I probably would have been the first person if I was on the outside going, hey, we 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 may need to go in a different direction. So I'm I'm so thankful for our president. I'm so so thankful for uh, Jeremy McLean. But we've done it the way we've always done it at our other places, and that's. That's doing it with the right kind of people, and um, and and we were just very fortunate uh, to have. Uh, we we had a great group of guys coming back, and we also have a, had a. We were able to use the transfer portal to our advantage and get a great group of young men in, and and they certainly have been a, and a just a great blessing and inspiration, and, and it's it's fun to watch them play. It's fun to coach them. They work hard every day, so. To answer your question, putting it all in context, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be the coach here, and I'm thankful that my bosses 
because uh, uh, the easiest thing to have done was probably to say, hey, let's stop it and let's go in a different direction, see if we can get someone else in here. And, and I'm hoping that they feel like they've made the right decision now. But I, I know I'm thankful to be here. 19 and four, first place in the Sun Belt. Uh, I think they're probably feeling that they absolutely made the right decision. I, I'm curious <laughs> about this. I asked Scott Barry last week uh, about the transition from Conference USA to uh, to the Sun Belt, and he was quick to point out that, like, he said, "Look, Conference USA was really good to us, and and they had a lot of success in Conference USA." Is there an element of kind of like a, across the board in the athletics department, a, a shot in the arm of energy in making the transition to the new league? Fans we know are excited about it, having more regional rivalries even in basketball and places that, that you're familiar with as well. Yes, uh, I think that it was uh, the timing for our university. Uh, uh, it just made great sense. And so I give – I used to answer this last year. I said, you know, the people that, uh, that, that make those decisions, our president, of course, that was Dr. Bennett at that time, and, and of course, Jeremy McLean. I thought they had great vision and, and were very wise. And making the decision, of course, it puts us in a position where in, in Conference USA, I, I'll echo what Coach Barry said. Coach is a good friend of mine. That they, they, you know, there was nothing. The, the, in fact, men's basketball was really good. It was, in fact, it was a lot better than people realize nationally. Um, and Sun Belt basketball is just as expected, and it, it's certainly on par. Uh, uh, but, but. Our, the teams that we play resonate more with the fan base here. You know, our, our, our fan base is used to play in Louisiana Lafayette. There, this, this goes back, uh, to, to, you know, many, many, many years. Uh, used to play in South Alabama, used to play in, uh, Louisiana Monroe. And, and so it just makes a lot of sense for us. Uh, they can now, that not, not, there was not at one location other than maybe UAB in Conference USA where our fan base could, could follow us to a game. And uh, it just wasn't possible, so it was very difficult to to develop any rivalries. But it, the, the, and, and then in in terms of just looking at men's basketball, we of course, as you mentioned, we came off a a very rough season that I took full responsibility and take full responsibility for. Um, uh, but and, we, and of course, it, it the time the, the the timing of the change was good. It was almost like we got a fresh start. Yeah, and if if you know what I mean, we got a fresh start. You know, we weren't we weren't looked at, yeah, but maybe we were because we were picked 14th in the league. But you know, we 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 didn't know that yet, and our guys <laughs> didn't know that necessarily the people you know that we were uh, uh, that going to be playing against. So I know just I know it was great for the university, and I, through all the sports, uh, it made perfect sense. It's made sense. It's been exciting, but I know for men's basketball, the timing was good because it kind of. It, it kind of gave us a reset, and, and of course, uh, it's worked out for us so far. Coach, you only got about a minute left. I want to ask you about two guys in particular, both uh, transfers. Uh, Austin Crowley, who's having by far his best year as a uh, as a college basketball player, and Felipe Hase as well, who, who starts out at South Carolina, then goes to Mercer, and and both of them seem to just absolutely elevate their games this year. But but and, and first and foremost, both of those guys are are, are in, incredible young men and great 
fits and ambassadors for our university. And I know you just got. And I'm, I'm going to try to make this as concise as possible. When your heart, when your best players, and we've got some others too, but when your best players are also your hardest workers and your best leaders, your team has a chance because the the other players will usually fall in line behind that and follow their example. And both of those guys are great leaders. They're great in the locker room. They're they're our hardest workers on the floor inside of practice and outside of practice in terms of setting the example of commitment and dedication and they're and they're outstanding players and uh the, when you talk about we were talking about a shot in the arm while ago and a reset these guys of course with the guys that we've had coming back and some others have had have had an incredible impact uh, on our program and uh it's exciting now uh you know what's happening down here and and again we're very thankful and especially for those two guys Nineteen and four overall, eight and two in the league, five straight wins. They say the month of February is a grind, but the month of February is kind of what catapults you forward, Coach. We'll be watching, and we wish you nothing but the best. Thank y'all so much for having me on. I look forward to being on in the future. Well, we look forward to it as well. That's Jay Ladner, head basketball coach at Southern Miss. They go to Troy on Thursday night, six o'clock tip off against Troy. And then uh, they're in Atlanta against Georgia State on Saturday. So a couple of road games this week, coming off a couple of really nice home crowds last week. They beat Texas State at home on uh, on Saturday, had a good crowd at Reed Green Coliseum, a little over 4,000, and going to continue to see those numbers go up. Great conversation with Jay Ladner on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be right back. Got some big news in the NFL world. Hard, hard as it seems. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. (laughs) Oh, we had three minutes in the break. You could have coughed, but sure, do it right when we come back on the air. Yeah, I'm talking to you, hey Dad. How are you? Thanks for thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Great to be with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studio. You can be a part of the conversation on the Ceasefire Text Line. 601 879 Four three nine five. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world class IT professionals who live where you do, and that's right here in Ceasefire Country. The news that you boys have been waiting on: What are the Saints going to get in terms of draft compensation if Sean Payton gets a job? Well, we know A and B to that question. Now, Sean Payton. Has gotten a job. I guess that was B. And A, what about draft compensation? 2023, that's this year, first-round pick from the Denver Broncos, and a 2024 second-round pick from the Broncos. Sean Payton, he is off the hook with the Saints. He is going to be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. That was a long, long process. 
and seemed to take some twists and some turns along the way, but ultimately it appears as if they got the guy who was their first choice. You know, athletics directors love to stand up. University presidents love to stand up at a press conference and say, we got our first choice. And usually we know that it actually wasn't their first choice that they got. In this case, the Denver Broncos got their first choice, but it took some wiggling and wrangling and maneuvering and talking to other people and coming back to the table and negotiating, and they finally ended with Sean Payton. You got a good old classic source off going on. Schefter reporting that he was their first choice, yeah. and Rappaport reporting that he was their third. That Harbaugh turned them down to stay at Michigan. Okay, Ian, sure he did. Doesn't matter though, because the Saints have a first round pick. And and here's what's fascinating about this pick. It's it's where it is. And they needed it because they, they need good players cheap. The cap expanded Nick Underhill, as he always does, wrote a good article about how they can get under the cap with $30 million of spending money with these six moves or whatever. They're going to be able to get under, but you still need good players cheap, especially when I think you're going to move on from Marcus Davenport, for example. He has been a perpetual underachiever. Frankly, he's sucked since they drafted him. He's been bad. And so, you know, you need pass rush, you need... Certain guys are probably going to go after Jimmy G or Derek Carr. So you need money, right? You need good players cheap. So you have that first-round pick to get a good player cheap. But it is number 29. So what do you do with number 29? 30. Oh, it's 30. I thought it was 29. Yeah. Yeah, I looked at that too. But because the, the, the Niners have one more win than the Bengals because of that cancellation. So it's the, they have the 30th pick. Okay, so... You, you don't stretch for one of the quarterbacks that will be remaining in that spot. But you pick 10 picks later. Here's what I'm fascinated by. I think you try to go get best available, whether it be pass rush. You need to get better on the offensive line. Who knows what you're going to do with Michael Thomas. Maybe a running back in that spot if you really like one because Ingram is washed. But what about somebody like Hinden Hooker at 40? Because you've got pick number forty as well. You've piqued my interest. What a uh, th- so that that is where I'm so fascinated by this draft now is you can get best available without having to stretch for a quarterback, and Hooker's still going to be there by most all every mock at number forty. Yeah, you've done it. You've cracked the code, Michael Borky. Somebody get that guy a job in New Orleans. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was all about getting back into the first round. They've done that. You know, Sean Payton had to, they, they had to make a deal like this. The Saints had to have this happen for them. They couldn't let him just sit out the rest of his contract and then go get another job. They had to get some sort of compensation. They did that. I wish Denver had their regular first-round pick. They'd be picking in the top ten if that were the case. But as it is, that's going to Seattle. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure about the risk. You know, do you want to, Did you want to risk waiting for next year? Because, I mean, how much better are the Broncos really going to be next year? They could still be picking in the top ten. And that was the other option for the Saints was to wait till next year and, and pick up an extra pick uh, this year. I think this is the right move, though, because you just don't ever know. And and you, you couldn't, you know, you have your first-round pick next year. So, you you know, you have at least one. You couldn't do a draft without one first-round pick. And there'll be somebody down there at that spot that they like and they'll get. Orky, what did Will you say Lewis. about they, they have a 20 
They have a pick at 20, you were saying? Uh, at 29 or 30. Oh, okay. I got you. Got you. Well, but here's the thing. All right, so picking 30th, but in terms of order, won't it be 29th because Miami has to forfeit that pick at 21? Yeah, yeah. Am I looking at this this accurate? So the 2023 draft order. Oh, okay, Saints, yeah, yeah. The, the Saints pick 30th, but... 29th, Borky, I was wrong. Well, no, but, I mean, in terms of the slot, they pick 30th in place of San Francisco. But that's actually the 29th pick because Miami has to forfeit a first-round pick because of the tampering deal with Tom Brady and Stephen Ross and their organization. So it's actually the it's it's slot number 30 but the 29th pick in the first round. And then you think 40 which was their next scheduled pick mm-hmm. is the spot where you might get Hinton Hooker. If he's still there it would make sense, right? I mean Absolutely. You know, I, I I like Derek Carr more than most people. I even tweeted it, and people were like, you, you're, you're crazy. It, no, look at his numbers and look at his play and, and look at the defenses that he had to work with. Uh, I mean, Brady's not winning six Super Bowls with the worst defense in the NFL on an annual basis, okay? it's it, Carr, Carr had a lot stacked against him. Coaching, turnover, bad rosters, and he still produced. I mean, you, you, you can do much worse than Derek Carr, I guess is what I'm saying. Same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Is there better? Of course there's better. Is there worse? Yeah, a lot worse than Jimmy Garoppolo. But do you want to scrap that idea if Hooker's available and decide, you know, here's a rookie, lit up the SEC, you still have Dalton, so you don't have to throw him into the fire right away if you don't think he's ready, but he's a tall, big kid, a smart kid, a good locker room guy with all the physical ability in the world. If he's still there... Why would you not, I guess would be my question. Why would you not draft somebody like Hooker at 40 if he's there at 40? What's the downside? Hmm, yeah. I mean, quarterbacks are always risky, but... All right, so what do we have left in terms of coach openings? Indianapolis. Arizona hasn't hired anybody yet, have they? Arizona and Indy. Okay, so those two are still open. Because the Houston Texans also have hired or are in the process of hiring D'Amico Ryans. Uh, I, I couldn't help but laugh at Ralph Russo, who writes the AP long, long time ago. Ralph worked here in Mississippi as well as uh, an AP writer. And he says, um, so it would be fun if we were doing the somewhat useless but also entertaining exercise of forecasting the next Alabama coach, where would D'Amico Ryans be on the list of possibilities? And that brings into the conversation that we always have about coaching in the NFL versus coaching in college. And if it doesn't go well in Houston for D'Amico Ryans, then Alabama probably wouldn't want him. And if it doesn't go or if it goes well with Houston, then D'Amico Ryans probably wouldn't want Alabama. So not terribly likely, but I did think that was a question that made you stop and think just for a second. Wait, that he would take over for Nick Saban as the sitting head coach of the Houston Texans? Well, that was that was the question. 
Well, most no. people would say it's the best job in college football. Let's say four or five years down the line, Nick Saban retires. We're all trying to figure out who's going to be next. And I guess my point was, if it doesn't go well in Houston, then D'Amico Ryans is not attractive to Alabama. And if it goes well in Houston, then maybe Alabama is not attractive to D'Amico Ryans as a sitting head coach in the NFL. Yeah. Now, Alabama's hired an NFL head coach where it wasn't going well in the past, and it worked out for him. That is a correct statement. He did have college coaching experience. Is D'Amico Ryan's coached in college at all? There are obviously ties to Alabama for D'Amico Ryan's. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day when there's nothing really else to uh, talk about. Um, the Jim Harbaugh thing is weird. Did, has Michigan put out another graphic announcing that Jim Harbaugh is staying at Michigan, by the way, after this most recent dalliance with the uh, with the NFL? Not yet. It would be, Probably working it would be, on it. Yeah, I would think so. It would be the third such graphic that had uh, come out. That Twitter graphic department must be good at Michigan. More coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Be right back. From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. Talk TV. Thanks for being with us. You can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Mississippi State basketball, 530 tonight at South Carolina. Bulldogs trying to build on the momentum of the win against TCU at home in overtime on Saturday as they hit the road. Try to pick up a uh, road win in the SEC, looking for their second SEC win of the uh, year. And uh, South Carolina is the place that you want to try to do that. Not going to be an intimidating crowd. Not a very good basketball team. In fact, in terms of the net, ugh. Uh South Carolina, rough. 140 spots, give or take, 136 spots behind LSU, who is uh, 137. South Carolina is 273 in the net. Yeah. If I looked at it right the other day, the only Power 5 school below them is Cal, and I think they're like the 295, 296 mark. It's been a long downhill climb for Cal since Quanzo Martin left. Well, especially after they lost to FTX. I mean, they had to strip it off their field and everything. It just, it's been downhill uh, ever yeah. since. Yeah. Is there a more unassuming athletic department in college sports than Cal? Unassuming or underachieving? Uh, unassu- just like uh, you forget they're there, you know? I mean, they've got Aaron Rodgers, yeah. but it's like not good at football. Haven't been relevant in football since Marshawn Lynch, I guess, or Aaron Rodgers. Take your pick. Goff was fine, but that's all he was. And you forget that's where he went. 
basketball team is an atrocity. I mean, they produced Colin Morikawa. He's been pretty good. Yeah, that doesn't count. Nobody cares about college golf. Oh, contraire. I watched college golf on the Golf Channel for about an hour last night. The Southwest Invitational or something? Kid from Texas shot 61 yesterday. Forky. Somehow I'm the weird one under. for watching wrestling. That, that's awesome. Uh, and 11 how, under. How many people were, were there to see it? A few hundred. Kind of like a Cal football game. Pretty much. Exactly. But like, can, can you name an athletic See? department right now in college sports that's more meh than Cal? Because Oregon State's back to being pretty good at football. Like they're, they're, they, were, they won their bowl game. And they they're always the good at baseball. Always good at baseball. Mm-hmm. Arizona State's about to sign Jaden Rashada, so at least they're on the up and up there. He's considered Arizona State. Yeah. And they've been decent Colorado at Colorado made a pretty times. significant move. Colorado is now interesting in football again. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt's good at baseball. They're getting better at basketball, too. They beat Florida and Kentucky in football this year. Getting better there. Rutgers got better at football this year. They were okay in Had basketball somebody suggest Missouri ago. to me. I don't think that's fair, though, because Missouri's on the upswing in basketball I went to a bowl game in football. They'll make the tournament this year in basketball. Yeah, chance. Yeah, sitting right now at forty six in the uh, in the net. So who's worse? I don't think anybody. I think that might be the worst Power Five department out there right now. We say all that to say, big game for Mississippi State. They can't afford to lose yeah. to South Carolina. Yeah, not not a big game. Just a you better not lose or else. It's a must-win. I mean, it really is a must-win. You cannot lose this. It will destroy your net. It would ruin. It, at this, I would tell you if we do the show tomorrow, if we do when we do the show tomorrow, if Mississippi State were to lose this game, I would be like, they're out. They got no chance to get back in. Minnesota, maybe uh, football programs. Minnesota, but they have PJ Fleck is interesting. Though. Yeah, Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald is interesting. Yeah, come on, man. They, they didn't really win a game in the bad. continental United States this year. That was interesting. That's an interesting stat. They played in Ireland last year. What are they like in hoops right now? I know they built a new arena. And, uh, uh, what is it? Julia Louis Dreyfus? It wasn't, didn't her kid play there or something? Yeah, like five years ago. Yeah. So they got that. <laughs> yeah. That one year they were good. Northwestern's won. I think Cal might be more unassuming, though. Louisville's not in a great spot right now. No. Football-wise, they're okay. And then baseball, you know they're going to be great. So yeah, that, 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 that's not going to count. They just hired their native son to coach their football team. That'd be great next year with Nate Oates. Ooh. Ooh. Y- you know, I hope... I'm going to speak that into existence. Rolling. He does. I'm, I'm going to get him I'm gonna get him out of Tuscaloosa if it's the last thing I ever do. But, I mean... Let's, he does have it rolling, but like, let's pretend Kentucky does come open and John Calipari does end up at Texas. Then he's gone. He's gone. He'll, he would take that job. And, and he would you, take the Louisville job. You know what would be great? For Alabama to suck at something. I know baseball, whatever, but they don't deserve good basketball. It's not fair. <laughs> it's simply not fair that they get to have a football team 
that they complain about when they win 11 games and then be good at basketball as well. It's not fair. Okay. They they don't deserve it. If you're going to complain about 11 wins and talk about how your coach has lost his fastball after he won 11 games and dominated the Sugar Bowl and beat his rival into the ground again, you don't deserve good basketball. You don't deserve good football either, but... Yeah, I think you. Uh, I think you're just jealous of Alabama. Absolutely, they don't deserve it. That's that's the whole point. They do not deserve it. They're supporting it though. Only front runners. That's it. They don't. Well, they wouldn't support on, average basketball. Hold they wouldn't say no. They are front. Is runners. there anybody other than South Carolina in the mid '90s that not that isn't a front runner? There's levels to it, of course. I mean, nobody's supporting a bad product. Ole Miss basketball right now is a terrible product and people aren't showing up. That's fine. But I have seen, like we say all the time, I've seen Ole Miss support just okay basketball. I have not seen Alabama support just okay basketball. They're front runners. That's it. They only care. They Five, hey, five years the way, ago, they could not have told you who their coach is. Oh, that's not true. That's not true. Yes, former, it is. They had a former NBA champion as their they coach. they care about that? They knew who Avery Johnson was. No, they they knew who Gottfried was before that. No, not yes, at large. they did. Not at large, they didn't. But, by the way, if you think Nick Saban has lost his fastball, you probably haven't read about the NIL hub. You guys heard about the NIL hub? I have heard about the NIL hub. Alabama, in its new deal with Learfield, has announced a dedicated NIL center. A highlight of the new agreement is a first-of-its-kind dedicated NIL hub called the Advantage Center, which will serve as the epicenter of support for NIL endeavors for the more than 600 Crimson Tide student-athletes. Just retire already, Nick. Did you see the quote that people are sharing all over the place about how Nick Saban refused to sign players because I won't pay anybody money without proving themselves? And and people took that and ran with it as if that was the truth. What Nick Saban did is called cost-benefit analysis. He didn't turn down recruits because they asked for money. He turned down those two specific recruits because they asked for too much money. There's a difference. They signed nine five-stars in this class and five in the last one. And the people that are sharing this are like, I mean, do you honestly, how naive do you have to be to think that of those 14 five-stars, none of them got paid a really significant amount of money? Yeah, he just decided those particular players weren't worth what they were asking. Yes, and, and people spun that as exactly. Nick Saban's Even fighting people the good sometimes yes. say no to things that, ah, it's too expensive. I mean, ah, you, it's not worth it. You watch Shark Tank. Mark Cuban's got billions of dollars. He turns down a $100,000 investment all the time. That's all Nick Saban did. Those guys weren't worth what they were asking for, and I moved on. But people took that as Nick Saban is staying true to the origins of college football, and he's fighting the good fight. Cut up. 
Lane Kiffin did a cost-benefit analysis on a quarterback in this last recruiting class. Kid was asking for too much. They let him go to Texas A&M where they overpaid. Nobody said that Lane Kiffin was holding the true values of college football. Why does Nick Saban get a pass on stuff like that? Blows my mind. Porky, you mentioned earlier, I'm just jumping topics here because this is so fascinating to me. We were talking earlier about Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport and them debating Jim Harbaugh. It's not the only thing they're debating today. Adam Schefter, timing of today's two hires was completely coincidental. Broncos were zeroed in on Sean Payton and didn't make any contact this week with D'Amico Ryans or his agent. Denver was focused on Payton and Houston on Ryans. Ian Rappaport, unbelievable. The Broncos spent today trying to hire D'Amico Ryans again today before he recommitted to the Texans. When he agreed to terms with the Texans, they moved and finalized Sean Payton. So who do you believe? Talk Mississippi continues. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fn and supertalk TV. Hey, Dad. You're good at deciphering things in the uh, interwebs and on the Twitters. Far more active on the Twitters than I am. What does this retweet from Lane Kiffin mean? Let's see what he, what he got here. It's a picture of of uh, Jonathan Davis in a Mississippi State uniform sailing, saying Hail State from two days ago. And Lane Kiffin retwe- retweeted that. I don't know. That's weird. Does, does that give you pause? <laughs> no. He's a troll. Because Kiffin just does... Weird stuff like that, but I don't know. He's done it That's in odd. the past. He, he's uh, not retweeting that if he thinks he's going to Mississippi State, is he? He's done it in the past on on two ways. He, I, I, it's funny that I know this because I appreciate trolling. He has on players that have ended up committing and signing with Ole Miss, gone back and retweeted those pictures from other schools. Did it with Tennessee, uh, with with Sanders, the lineman that they signed from Chattanooga in this class. Went back and retweeted his his Tennessee photo shoot when, when he committed to Ole Miss. But also, he's done retweeting the Ole Miss visit stuff on guys that went elsewhere. So, I, I don't know. So you're saying you don't know what a retweet from Lane Kiffin means? It, it, it could mean either outcome. How about that? that? That's that's why you guys pay us the big bucks. Here's your analysis. It could mean mm. one of those two things, which are the only two things that are possible. Or it could mean absolutely nothing. It could be a Seinfeld episode. Are you it could be a retweet about nothing. He's sitting in his office right now with his feet up, laughing at the replies after he did that, probably. And we'll film a TikTok later with one of his kids awkwardly dancing. Mm. Could be. Could be. 
I did see LSU people were sharing. It got re- it got sent into my timeline. That's how I know it. But like the LSU fan blogs and stuff. Uh, I guess there are grown adult men that follow Lane Kiffin's children on social media, which is is gross in my opinion. But either way, people do it. And there was a video of Lane dancing next to his daughter. You know, being a dad. That's what dads do. Next to her for a video that she put online. And LSU fan blogs found it and said that Brian Kelly should troll Lane with that video the same way he did when he was grinding on a quarterback. <laughs> Using the word grinding there, I don't know. Not, not the same thing. It's a little bit different when it's you're next to your daughter and you're not behind, not your son, you know? Just, this is a little bit different, LSU fan blogs. Just admit your coach is a dork. It's fine. Hey, Dad, in, in three minutes we... Um... We, we two and a half minutes. We lose a bunch of our stations to Mississippi State basketball. It's the pregame show with Neil Price and Rick uh, Richard Williams will uh, will begin. Some thoughts on tonight's basketball game beyond it's a must win. I mean, what else is there to say, really? I mean, obviously you'd like to build on what you saw Saturday. You like to continue to play the kind of basketball they've played in these past couple of weeks, where I feel like they've been getting better each and every game. But this is a must-win game. You cannot go to a 270-plus net team and lose that game. You need to to win this game and then come back on Saturday. You'll have a big crowd for a big game against Missouri. You know, you won a game. If you win tonight, you win another game. If you win on Saturday, that's called a winning streak. So we'll see if they can get there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's the, the biggest takeaway from all of this is you can't. Nobody who wants to make the NCAA tournament can afford a loss to South Carolina. You just can't have it. And I don't know. Kentucky is going to survive it because they're playing better now. But there was a moment there where you were like, that might just kill them. And they, they've turned it around a little bit now. This is a night where if you're on a budget and you live in Columbia, South Carolina, Fayetteville, Arkansas, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or Oxford, Mississippi, and you want to watch basketball, tonight is your night. Two bucks gets you into Colonial Life Arena in Columbia, South Carolina. Bud Walton, seven dollar. Uh, this South Carolina team's not worth two dollars. Tuscaloosa, four dollars. Oxford, two dollars. Four dollars. There is not a double-digit price get-in-the-door ticket in the SEC tonight. There should be some reverse NIL. Every South Carolina fan that goes to the arena gets five hundred dollars. Mm. They can give away free canes at the pavilion, make it worth everybody's while. Sports Talk Mississippi, two hours. Probably in a lot the of books. Kentucky fans there. Uh, there true. were a few milling about Oxford earlier today. More. What number is greater, the Kentucky fans or the Ole Miss fans in the arena? I'm going to say Ole Miss fans because of the weather conditions. They're probably ah, some yeah. Kentucky If it was a Saturday. It would be yeah. Kentucky fans. Yeah. Yep. Five o'clock hour, college football fix. That's how we'll start things when we come back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi.
o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. I've got some copyright infringement coming up in just a moment. Michael Borky, you'll have to get over it. You want to be part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. Check them out online at cspire.com slash business. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book, the Golden Moon Casino. Got a little time to uh, to save up for your action on the Super Bowl coming up in, what, uh, 12 days? What a great place that would be to watch the Super Bowl. Sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. For more information, log on to uh, PearlRiverResort.com. Here it is, copyright infringement. Are you ready for a stat of the day? Stat of the day, stat of the day. Bop, bop. I know that's Michael Borky's thing, but this is too good not to share. Do you know that Michael Jordan made nearly double his entire career earnings in the NBA? Actually, more than double his entire career earnings in the NBA last year? So... When Jordan Brand became a, uh, became a thing, Michael Jordan's representation negotiated a deal in which Jordan got 5% of annual earnings, according to Front Office Sports. Last year, Nike's Jordan Brand did $5.1 billion, netting Michael Jordan $256.1 million last year alone. He made approximately $90 million in his 15-year NBA career. That's that's really not that surprising. I mean, the owner of an NBA franchise making that in a year, I'm not, I'm not overly surprised by that. Because, you know, a, salaries a quarter, just weren't what they were. A quarter of a billion dollars in a single year? That's Big money. And just it's big money, but I mean and he owns a, a crappy franchise. Imagine if he owned a good one. And what's the owner of the, the, the Warriors pulling in? Well, but that the the two fifty six was just from the Nike deal. I'm just saying. That's not these, other these guys are billionaires for a reason. Yeah. You know. yeah. Yeah, but they like started tech companies and stuff. I saw a great tweet the other day. Somebody was talking about how they love how the owners of the NFL franchises now, they come up and get the trophy, and the announcer's like, what a journey for you. Your dad founded a team 60 years ago. He died, and now you own it. Tell us about that. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) It's going to be funny when Gracie Hunt has to, like, thank somebody for giving her team a trophy. Would love to hear her talk about uh, what a quarterback is. Anyway. Um, the, the Jordan thing is fascinating, though. I mean, just how he has maintained a brand for as as long as he has being the best selling shoe in basketball, despite being fifty years old. I um, Jordan's the shoes are so much more popular today than they were when I was in sixth yeah. grade, and Michael Jordan was winning titles every it's year. The brand is what you want because it was just back then. It was just about you wore them to play basketball. Now it's you wear them as a fashion statement. And they've become something that, you know, our country's rich 
whereas as you know, hey, I've got this. It shows it's like a status symbol. It's like driving a, a Lamborghini or something. You know. But I don't even think it's just our country's rich. Mm. Like there were middle class and lower class children all over the United States who the oh, number yeah. one thing on their Santa Claus list this year was a pair of Jordan Retro Ones or Retro Fours or, or it's like that, that's the crazy thing about it. It's all of the shoes that were new in the nineties and into the two thousands. They're just recycling yeah. those in different colors or making them in the exact same colors, but they're almost impossible to get. Like the second a new Jordan style drops at Nike.com, it sells out. Like they're yeah. hard to find. It's it's crazy. Crazy. Borky, you got any Jordans? No. Hey Dad, you're not a sneakers guy, are you? No. I am not. So I, I, don't. I remember owning a pair of uh Nike Air Force Ones Ooh, when I was in eighth those- grade. Those are kind of hard to get now, too. They, I'm sure they are. So, and I didn't play basketball. I just thought I just wanted the shoe. Yeah, Reebok pumps have kind of made a comeback. Yeah, I remember one kid in our school had those. He walked in, we were like, "Oh my god, he's got the pumps!" They were so awesome. I never had. That I had. Cool. Uh, I think I had one pair of like hand me down Jordans. Like somebody gave them to me. It was like, so awesome. I never owned a pair of Jordans. Yeah. Now my. Seventh grade daughter's got a couple of pair of like retro Jordans. I don't. I actually tried to get a pair of sneakers. Like I'm just a tennis shoes guy. Like, I wear on clouds. But I thought, okay, I'm going to do this whole sneakers thing. And I ordered a pair from Nike. I tried them on. They didn't fit. I'm like, I got to send them back. I don't just get my money back. I don't even know if I'm going to trade them for a pair that fits. I'm just not sure that I can pull that look off. A lot of people do it quite well. I don't know that I can. Hey, Dad, you might get turned into a sneakers guy. Like the shiny white ones. I don't know. Can do the three-stripe thing? Like, I'm, I'm quite comfortable in my uh, my Skechers that I've been wearing since, like, 2002. You're a Skechers guy? Yeah. It's most comfortable? It is. I have bought rebought the same pair of shoes, like five purchases, six purchases in a row. What tennis shoes do you wear, Borky? Uh, it depends on what I'm doing. Uh, Allbirds for leisure. Those are the best. Uh, just the absolute best pair of shoes. I, I will never... I had one pair of those. They didn't work for me. And I have... Uh, I'll get like Asics or any combination of Asics, Brooks, or like if I go by a Nike outlet and they've got a mega sale, get a pair of Nikes for running and For, for like legit running, though. Yeah. Okay. Can't run in Allbirds. You'll stretch that fabric and... Then you, you ruin them quickly. No support. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> That's the same issue that Haydad's had with uh, his sneakers. Not, not I've working. had that issue with shirts and pants. Yeah. Fabric uh, stretches and just tears up. Jeff and Grenada says he's 51 years old, and his next pair of Jordans will be his first. David and Tupelo <laughs> says that Hoka's are the best tennis shoe ever. Does Jordan have golf shoes? That's Lee and Benton. Yes, although I would argue that until recently they've been kind of ugly. But the last run of Jordan golf shoes were really, really sharp looking. Yeah, you uh, can't do the high top. I, I I couldn't imagine trying to play in high tops, too. So they, they've got low top options. But I remember Bubba Watson and Finau were wearing those 
high top golf shoes. Could there's there's no way that was comfortable. No, nah, I wouldn't think so. Still, the the most bad you know what Jordan story is when he walked into the opposing locker room before the game with a cigar and said, "Who's guarding me tonight?" And somebody pointed at who was guarding him. That I mean, that's just next level. Hmm. I, I, I was watching something the other day, Borky. You'll like this. It was an interview with Byron Scott, and he was tell, they asked him for a Jordan story. He's like, so there was a game where he was injured, so he wasn't going to play. It was back when he was playing for the Lakers, and uh, they, they, he's, he's out there on the court doing something. And Jordan comes on the court to warm up, and he sees Scott. He's wearing a walking boot or whatever. He's like, B. Scott, you're not playing tonight. He's like, no. He's like, well, who's guarding me? And he told him some the, the guy. It was some rookie. And Jordan goes, fifty. <laughs> and that's what he did. He had fifty in that game. Wow. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, the stories are legendary. Yeah, it's good stuff. I, I, I saw somebody on a, a golf deal that played golf with him on a game day. Like, day of a game, they were playing golf, and they played 18, and Jordan was having some beers and smoking cigars and whatever else, and they finished up. They're like, all right, time to go. He's like, come on, we can't roll it back. So they played another 18 holes and said Jordan drank, like, 16 Coors Lights and smoked four cigars during the round. And he's like, I don't know what the line is, but I'm taking the other team tonight. And Jordan turned around and goes, say what? And this guy had beaten Jordan out of several thousand dollars on the golf course. And Jordan turned around and said, I bet you everything you just won off me, one, that I go for 50, and two, that we cover tonight. And the guy's like, you just had 16 Coors Lights and smoked four cigars. Heck yeah, I'll take that bet. Easy double up. He went for like 63, and they won by 30. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy lost every penny to him that he had just won off of him on the golf course. It's like outstanding. How do you do that? I don't know. LeBron Sport. could never. No, but he can cry. Oh, you had to, didn't you? He, he could just could about a foul, though. All right, we'll get to the college football fix when we come back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. To Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can also find Genteel at men's clothing stores throughout the state of Mississippi, like Abraham's in Cleveland, Claude Julian's in Kosciuszko, MLM Clothiers in Tupelo, Shirley Dogs in Corinth, the well-dressed man in Brookhaven, and Oxbow in Memphis. Be sure to check them out. If you haven't tried out one of their uh, shirts or their pullovers, I think all three will vouch for the fact that they've got great stuff. It looks good. It feels good. It fits well. It's durable. You're going to love it if you try it. That's Genteel Apparel. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. It is time right now for the College Football Fix. The 
College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough 2023 F-150s arriving daily at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. You can test drive one today. 46 years, that's how long F-Series has been the number one selling brand of trucks in America. So let's turn to the offensive and defensive coordinator searches, the University of Alabama. First of all, did Nick Saban get told no? Yeah, you know the, the old phrase, there's a reason they call it fishing and not catching? Yeah. Nick Saban's kind of going fishing lately. It's taking his time to make sure he gets it right. Yeah. it's one way to spin it. Uh, per multiple sources, after interviewing at Alabama yesterday for the offensive coordinator job and receiving an offer to join the Crimson Tide as offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, which is a name that you may not recognize, but you will going forward because he is a star has decided to stay put at the University of Washington. Staying on Caleb DeBoer's staff, Washington, as hot as any team in college football at the end of this season. And really bright future. Washington's going to be good next year. Legitimate playoff expectations on that team. Mm-hmm. What they go? They go 11-2 and this year? Is that where they finished? Weren't they a 10-win team going into the bowl game? I think that's right. Oh, that's correct, yes. So, Ryan Grubb... 11-2, and two, that's right. ...choosing to stay on the staff at the University of Washington. That would have been a good hire for Nick Saban. I, I don't know that any of us... Um, like, if you're a fan of a team... And it was announced that Nick Saban had hired Ryan Grubb away from Washington. I don't think that that's something that you would have gone to sleep tonight going, yes, I am glad that Alabama got that guy. Yeah, no, that (laughs) I would have not been happy with that hire. Two losses in the middle of the year for Washington. They lost at UCLA by eight. And the one that's hard to wrap your mind around, they lost at Arizona State on October 8th. 45-38, Forty-five to thirty-eight. So they lost that one by seven. Yeah. So two combined losses by fifteen points. And they finished out the season with wins over Arizona, Cal, Oregon State, Oregon, Colorado, Washington State, and Texas to finish eleven and two. It was a heck of a season. Good season. So bring back a lot of key players. Maybe Dylan Johnson. Don't know. Maybe. Maybe. So on the offensive coordinator front, the hunt continues. At Alabama. And then, what about on the defensive coordinator side? Could an old familiar name be emerging at Alabama? Could it be Todd Grantham? Georgia co-defensive coordinator Glenn Schumann was thought to be the leading alternative to Jeremy Pruitt as late as last week. Sources have indicated to Tide Illustrated that the uh, Bulldogs head coach Kirby Smart, uh, Kirby Smart is confident in his ability to keep Schumann in Athens. There does not appear to be any progress with Alabama and other rumored candidates, including Jimmy Lake, who spent, what, a year or two years as the head coach at Washington? That didn't work as a head coach. And Jim Leonard, the former Wisconsin-turned-interim head coach at 
former Wisconsin defensive coordinator turned interim head coach, but didn't get that job. Which Some leaves... NFL buzz with him. Okay, might be holding out, thinking that he's going to get that chance, or might just take a year off, enjoy the millions of dollars in his bank account right now, as a normal person should do. But you know. and so that leaves perhaps Todd Grantham as the most likely alternative, at least for now. The 56-year-old spent last year as a defensive analyst after spending the previous four seasons as Florida's defensive coordinator for Dan Mullen. So I said a second ago, with regard to Ryan Grubb, you wouldn't necessarily go to sleep tonight and be like, man, I am glad that is who Alabama took, hired to be their offensive coordinator. They're going to take a step back. No, he would have been he would have been really good. You go to sleep tonight or later this week and you're like, Nick Saban hired Todd Grantham to be his defensive coordinator. You're not exactly going to sleep going, oh, jeez. How are we going to deal with that defense? There's going to be a game where they go out and they get 11 sacks. Might do that two or three times. But if Todd Grantham's your defensive coordinator, there's a chance there's going to be a game where you go out and you go deep 11 times on them. Like the pressure doesn't get home and they're not sound on the back end, and boom, you just got big plays all over the place. I'm not ready to put Todd Grantham in the same category as John Chavis, Chief, not ready to put Todd Grantham in the same category as Mike Bobo. But I'm not far from it. Tell me I'm wrong on that. Well, I mean, he was here at Mississippi State, you know, for a season, and, and you got a lot of that. You know, you had some games where the defense just looked incredibly dominant, and you had some games where you just gave up a lot of big plays, and it really is the way he likes to play football. Uh, the way he likes to call defenses, that's just that's just where you're going to be, which is interesting to me because, you know, with Saban, I feel like you know, he's an aggressive guy, but he is definitely a little more risk management uh, than, than Todd Grantham is. I don't know how their, their personalities would, 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 would work together, to be honest with you. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's kind of boom or bust with Todd Grantham, or it feels that way. Can't you see Nick Saban exploding on Todd Grantham on the sideline also? Absolutely. Absolutely could. Jeff and Grenada says Grantham, Joey Dunn. Grantham equals Joey Dunn. Yeah. With socks? Yes, he does wear socks, to my knowledge. (laughs) Third and Grantham. That would be interesting. You thought Pete Golding sucked. Just wait till what... Uh, just wait until we see what Alabama fans think about their defense when that guy is calling it. Jason says Alabama is probably the only place where Todd Grantham's defense would be scary. It works just enough to make you mad when it doesn't. I don't know. He just he just is not afraid to put guys out on the island. He's not afraid to to you know. Leave things open to, to go to attack other places, and I don't, it just Alabama it gets great easy. players. They do. They have the the best players, but w- I, I do think sometimes people conflate Alabama's got better players with their opponents have bad players. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that might work at Alabama because they can be aggressive because everybody else sucks. Well, then th- that's not what the, the texture said here, but I, I do see and, and hear a lot of that. Well. With Pete Golding, with 
Uh, Bill O'Brien. Well, O'Brien had the best players in college football. Of course he was good. Well, then why were his offenses good with the Houston Texans? Yes, there's a gap between Alabama and everybody else, but it's not near as wide as people want to pretend like it is. Everybody else in the SEC has good players, too. Alabama just has more of them. But they play against NFL wide receivers every week. Teams with NFL offensive linemen every week. With NFL running backs every week. What do you think Quinshawn Judkins is going to be doing in two years? You know? Alabama had to play against that guy. And that's every week. That's everybody. How many guys on LSU's defense do you think are going to be playing in the NFL? On their starting defense this past season? Five, six? Yeah. That's probably that's probably accurate. So, yeah, they've they've got better players, but the, the gap isn't as big as, as people want to make it out to be. It's just they have played under the greatest coach and probably, I mean, I don't think it's arguable, the greatest coach in the history of the sport. It's not that they're just that much better in terms of talent. There is a gap. But the gap is magnified because of who's coaching them, not just because of them. I think, I mean, look, this is not even remotely close to a prediction of the demise of Alabama football, not even close. But Haydad might have been onto something when he kind of was asking the question of whether or not Alabama would be picked to win the West this year. I mean, yeah, ultimately I think they will. I, I do. But good grief. They're, they're replacing a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback from two years ago. And, and we don't know exactly who that's going to be. They weren't great at wide receiver this year. They're going to fix that. There, there's some questions about Alabama, which is kind of rare. We'll be back on Sports Talk Mississippi. Take the friggin' wax out of your ear. Did you hear me? This is Sports Talk. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say, sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks as always for being with us. Sports Talk is brought to you in part by M Trade Park in Oxford. You can find them online at mtradepark.com. We're getting closer and closer to the start of the spring season of events. You can go to their website, mtradepark.com, and click on schedule, and you can see all that's upcoming. February 10th, 11th, and 12th, that's the first U-Triple-S-A baseball tournament of the spring Following weekend, you've got a fast-pitch tournament, then baseball again the last weekend in February. March, April, May, June, they are all packed. You're involved in the scheduling of your team or your kids' team's uh, schedule. I think that was redundant, but you understand what I'm saying. Then uh, be sure to check out M-Trade Park's website, mtradepark.com, and register your team today. If you're going to play, play M-Trade. Um. (sighs) 
I know we're supposed to do some baseball stuff, but I feel like there are a couple of things we we need to circle back on. <laughs> you always like it when I do that, don't you? Well, it's just like it doesn't matter if it's football or baseball. We cannot do a countdown. <laughs> we just can't do it. We get off schedule, but we always catch up. Yes. It may just mean that there are four teams that we preview th- tomorrow. Th- Thursday's show is nothing but other team or college baseball previews. We've got 12 segments of it. I don't know that I would be angry about that. Yeah. yeah. It'd be a, a fun show. You know? Yeah. Kind of like that. Borky's like, hmm, here's a plan. Yeah. On yeah. Thursday. Uh, it, this is of, of huge local interest, right? The Saints slash Sean Payton going to the Broncos. We touched on it earlier. The deal is done. Uh, Sean Payton is going to the Broncos. Jeff Duncan uh, talked to him on the phone. There's some quotes that are in a story from Jeff Duncan. If you want to search that on Twitter, you can find it. But Sean Payton said, this is what I was looking for. Very similar to New Orleans. It matters in Denver. And that's a true statement. I don't know if you guys have ever spent any time in Denver, Colorado. I've spent a very little amount of time there. It's a cool city, really cool city. Broncos football is everything there. And they've got everything, right? they got the Rockies. They've got the Avalanche. They've got the Nuggets, who currently have the best record in the Western Conference. And, and they love all of it. But Denver Broncos football is different. They had the Elway era, and then it kind of fell off a little bit, a little bit. They had the playoff win with Tebow playing quarterback. They had the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, a dominant defense. Felt like they were making a splash in the offseason with Russell Wilson, and that failed spectacularly. So, it feels like this Sean Payton hire is twofold, I think. You guys tell me if I'm wrong here. One, the Broncos trust Sean Payton as a Super Bowl-winning head coach with a great offensive mind to be a winner for the franchise. And two, they don't have any choice but to ride with Russell Wilson for a while. Yeah. Because they're paying him a gazillion dollars. And gave away draft capital also. Gave away a lot to get him, plus paying him a lot. And probably what they gave away is more important than what they're paying. I mean, the the, the ownership of the Broncos is rich beyond comprehension. It's, it's Walmart money that is now funding the Denver Broncos. That, that pot of money is not running out, regardless of how stupid they are in spending. They just released new salary cap numbers for the NFL. It's, it's bigger than it's ever been. So it, it's not as much about the money as what they gave up. But because of what they gave up, and secondarily because of the money and the, the dead cap hit that they would have if they tried to get rid of Russell Wilson, they need him to be at, very, at the bare minimum serviceable. He was not that this year. And it feels like the Broncos believe that if there's one guy in the NFL that can help that become a reality, it's Sean Payton. Do you buy into the idea of Sean Payton getting more out of Russell Wilson? Yeah, completely. Fountain of youth? 
everybody rightfully so loves Drew Brees for a lot of reasons. And well-established, I'm not from New Orleans. I adopted the Saints because I couldn't afford a cable package that would let me watch anybody else. And and that was... (laughs) Thanks for the honesty. That was in the fall of 2014. So I haven't been a Saints fan, but for nine seasons. He did a lot for the city and the team and everything. But the last few years of his career, he couldn't throw the football consistently down the field. And yet they were still very good and creative on offense. He was able to have great success, should have gone to a Super Bowl, didn't, but should have, with a guy that couldn't throw the football vertically. The screen game was great. The running concepts were great. The short passing game it helps when you have one of the most accurate, if not the most accurate quarterback to ever live, despite his inability to to put juice behind it. He was still that guy. But the short passing game was creative and quick and open. If, if he could do that with Drew Brees past his prime, Russell Wilson still has physical ability, despite what Twitter says. He can do it with Wilson as well in Denver. And hey, Dad, from the Saints' perspective, most people are looking at this and saying, okay, Mickey Loomis did well in in what he negotiated because you needed Mm -hmm. Sean Payton to take a job this year. But for Sean Payton to be able to take a job this year, that employer was going to have to compensate the Saints. And while it's not a top-ten pick, they got a first-round pick this year and a second-round pick next year. And that helps, especially considering the fact that they did not have a first-round pick this year. So I don't know if you can say the Saints got better today, but the Saints put themselves in position to get better simply because Sean Payton got a job. And there's only so much the Saints can do, right? It's not like it's a player where they can go out there and actively pursue deals and and try to figure something out. You know, they're left to the whims of Sean Payton. If Sean Payton had said, you know what, I'm I'm good. I don't really want to get back into it this year. There's nothing the Saints could have done. They can't force him to take a job. So I feel like this is, you know, if this was the the deal the Saints got, they got back into the first round. They pick up an extra pick for next year. That's about as good as they probably could have hoped for. Yeah, like you said, they would have liked to have picked higher, but. It is what it is. And, and the Saints are notorious for taking a late first-round pick and, and working it their way up into the top half of the draft. So we'll see if Loomis can work that magic again. I wonder if there's a scenario where the Saints are able to package that late first-round pick and the second-round pick that they got next year into something in the, what, midway point of the first round? Yeah, I mean, if there's a player they like there, you think they would certainly be willing to offer that. So it's not a quarterback. Because there's no quarterback well, in the middle of the first that's worth let's hope, let's hope it is a quarterback that everybody got stupid and decided to skip Bryce Young yeah. all the way down to like the 12th pick. And we'll just go from there. Yeah, because Young and Stroud are going to be gone by then. Maybe Levis is still on the board, but if we trade up to draft Will Levis. Anthony Richardson, let's go. Oh. Uh, <laughs> saw his, taking I saw it. his actual soul left his body. Somebody's taking Anthony Richardson in the first round. Yeah, hopefully the Panthers or the Falcons. Or maybe the Bucks get crazy. Yeah, I hope the Panthers take him. Because that's a guy Matt Corral might could beat out in, uh, in training camp. Yeah, you would think. You would think.
I would I would take Corral over him. He's proven more on the field. Yeah. Well, he's a better quarterback. That's just the end of that's period end of sentence. Yeah. Now, in terms of skill set, there is a lot there with yes. Anthony Richardson. Yeah. There's a lot there. But in terms of consistent performance, it's not there. We get a message on the ceasefire text line. You have to build the line. Set yourself up for the years to come. So about offensive line or defensive line? they got to get better on both. I think defensive line's more immediate because uh, Anyamata might be gone, so you lose an interior defensive lineman. And, and again, Marcus Davenport, I mean, free agent now. He's going to ask for a lot of money. They, they better not because he had one half of a sack more than I did for the Saints this year. So, um, not worth whatever he'd be asking for. So, you need to get better there also. Another message says, I'll take Hooker over Richardson. Me too. And you can get yes, him at 40. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, final segment of the show coming up with you after the break in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Busy afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi. If you missed any of it, you can uh, go back and get it on podcast or in podcast form, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Just search Sports Talk Mississippi. Compacted, what, two hours and ten minutes, I think, is the, like if you want the entire show. Of course, you can skip around to the parts that, uh, that you like and that you really want to hear. We uh, began today, second segment of the show. Uh, we spent a couple of segments with Zach Arnett, the head football coach at Mississippi State. We talked about his journey, about his background, about his time working in a, uh, uh, a like a tool supply factory warehouse setup, and how that was kind of the uh, the spark for him that you know I need to do something that I know a little bit better, and uh, it was kind of his uh, jump into football, uh, and kind of then fast forwarded all the way forward to. His vision for Mississippi State football, the coaching staff he's put together, the footprint, all of those things. Uh, you can get that. Also, really good conversation with Jay Ladner, the head basketball coach at Southern Miss. His team is 19-4. and They are 8-2 and in the Sun Belt. They've got a couple of road games coming up this week, including Thursday night at Troy, uh, as they try to keep things rolling. Both of those available on demand or will be available on demand at, uh, at supertalk.fm. Also, Tomorrow, uh, you will be hearing about something that is uh, pretty cool. Country music superstar Morgan Wallen is coming to Oxford, and Super Talk Mississippi is going to give you an opportunity to win tickets. Starting tomorrow, you will find out how you can win. The Morgan Wallen uh, ticket giveaway is brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. And if your business would like to take part in this incredible promotion, you can contact your local Super Talk Mississippi 
media sales rep to find out more. You can email sales at supertalk.fm or just reach out to one of us and we can point you in the right direction as well. See, I, I, I messed it up before either of you could do the... The email is heydad at borky at... Either of those will get you to the uh, right place. It's still gimmick hey, infringement. It's fine, though. Uh, hey, Dad, or Borky at supertalk.fm will be just fine. That will be just fine. Poops tonight. Four games in the SEC. Mississippi State and South Carolina are playing right now. 744 remaining in half number one. Two teams have combined for 33 points. Hey, Dad would say, I told you to get on the under train and just keep on riding at 1716. Mississippi State with a one-point advantage, just under eight minutes until halftime. Texas A&M. I didn't look what the, uh, the under was for this one. It's like 126, I think. Ooh, yes. God, yes. Take it under. Uh, Texas A&M at Arkansas. Razorbacks are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Texas A&M, 7-1 and one in the SEC. Vanderbilt is at Alabama, despite Alabama being throttled in Norman over the weekend. The Crimson Tide is uh, still perfect in conference play. 18-3 and overall, 8-0 and in Southeastern Conference play. Vandy's one game below five hundred, uh, and it's in Tuscaloosa. So Alabama, a 15-and-a-half-point favorite tonight against Vanderbilt. Seems big based on how they've played lately. That's what I was going to say. I'm not saying that Alabama is not capable of winning that game by 20 or 30 for that matter. They're capable of that. The way they've played in their last two ball games in terms of shooting the basketball against Mississippi State and Oklahoma, that's a lot of points. And um, Kentucky is at Ole Miss. Kentucky, a seven and a half point favorite, tips off tonight at eight o'clock on ESPN. Tom Hart and Dane Bradshaw on the call. Cats are five and three in the league, fourteen and seven overall. Ole Miss nine and twelve overall, one and seven in Southeastern Conference play. The only win is uh, at South Carolina a couple of weeks ago. Real quick, mm-hmm. complete change of topic. But you mentioned Tom Hart. Evidently, he is one of the finalists for the Braves' uh, play-by-play job. Told you. That means there would be an opening for some SEC Network Saturday night. I wonder who I would call. Who would I call if I were the making those decisions? I don't know who you would call. I'm calling Richard Cross. Carl mm. Ravage's kid? <laughs> Shut up, Dear Morgan. God. <laughs> Come Thanks. on now. Uh, Morgan, we want him out. Come I on. don't think that Get that means what you think that means. I, I don't think well, that him doing the Braves games would mean that uh, he would not be doing SEC Saturday nights. Interesting. Even when there's baseball on Saturday? There might be some exceptions, but I think he would yeah. stay in that role. Okay. I think you would have a lot we'll less see. Tom Hart on college baseball and a lot less Tom Hart in college basketball, but I think you would yeah. still in that scenario see him on SEC football. Just well, we'll see. Call it an educated guess. We'll see. I'm just but trying yeah. to help you out. I'm well, that means more basketball and baseball. Opens Hopefully. Up. Hopefully For so. Carl Ravage's kid. <laughs> Why? 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 You schmuck. Go home. The Why? show's over. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we'll talk about the outcome of Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Kentucky Ole Miss, plus a whole lot more with you. 
tomorrow after it. Who knows? We might even return to the countdown of 25 teams in 25 days. Or maybe we'll wait till Thursday. Enjoy your Tuesday night. Stay safe if you're in North Mississippi with uh, the bad weather. For Borky and Hey Dad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.